0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 265 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing inner stillness and simplicity as essential aspects of an intentional life. If you consider yourself a minimalist, you already know that when it comes to possessions, when it comes to our external world, less is more and simpler is almost always better. The same also goes for our internal selves, our internal world. When we slow down when we remove the mental and emotional clutter, and when we learn to just sit with what is instead of how we want things to be, that's when things start to change for us for the better. Now that is easier said than done. I know firsthand it's easier said than done. Today I'm speaking with Jesse Kanzer. Jesse is the author of the new book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, Healing, Chilling and Living with the Tao Te Ching. Jessie argues that there's peace to be found when we slow down and when we embrace stillness. And so she's on the show to help us do just that. Jessie, so excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Great to talk to you as well. I always start my episodes the exact same way, which is having you introduce yourself. Please introduce yourself, but also please tell us how did you find yourself writing this book?
1: Sure. So my name is Jesse Asia Kanzer. I was born in the former Soviet Union. The country's Latvia now. And my family left as refugees when I was just shy of eight years old and waiting in other countries, eventually getting asylum in America. All of these things in my early life definitely cost me a sense of identity. And in my struggles in my later life, To figure out who the heck I was, I used spirituality and ancient philosophy to really find my way. That's what really resonated with me. It was an internal truth that I saw mirrored in these ancient texts. Coming from the Soviet Union, I was uh, from a very atheist society that was unfortunately A mandated way to be. But fortunately, it left me a blank slate where I was able to explore different philosophies. And so, with my struggles, I I suffered from an eating disorder as a teenager, anxiety, depression in my early 20s. These philosophies helped me find my way out step by step. And then, later on in my life, as I was married with kids, I was writing, I had a yearning inside to share what I had learned through my own journey. Of healing. And so I wrote a book called Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, Healing, Chilling, and Living with the Dao De Ching.
0: Well, your book was a bridge, I would say, a bridge from this ancient philosophy to modern 2022 living. And I just want to thank you for being that bridge because the ancient philosophies for most of us can seem really darn confusing, perhaps out of touch, but in our conversation, our pre-conversation, before we hit record, you did say that the Tao Te Ching is quite minimalistic in its fundamentals. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yes, one of the translations, and there's various translations, but the essence is always the same. So the Tao says, see with original purity, embrace with original simplicity, reduce what you have decrease what you want. These words were written centuries ago. And now in modern times, minimalism is a sort of trend, even here in the United States, perhaps the epicenter of consumerism. And in my own experience, in decreasing what I have and what I want, I've been able to find a sort of peace within myself that I know rings true with your own philosophy as well.
0: Yes, it absolutely does. I hear... In your answer, you mentioned that minimalism can seem like a trend. It's a buzzword. Everybody's talking about minimalism, aesthetic minimalism, etc. But in the quote you just so nicely read, what I hear is that minimalism is not actually a trend. If we look at the trajectory of human history, it's been around for a really long time, really darn long time. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is the simplicity that minimalism, offers, and more importantly, what can be found when we embrace such simplicity. So let's start there. How did embracing stillness, how did slowing down, learning to sit and do nothing, as per the title of your book, how did that help you in those moments when you needed it most? So funny enough, like
1: um, for many people in life, I think I was brought to my knees before I surrendered (laughs) to what was being asked of me. So I graduated college, I was still really struggling with bulimia, which by the way, is in a way, really the opposite of being able to stand still to stay still, because not being able to cope with my emotions, I would binge on food to process those emotions and then purge. And so it's really the opposite of being able to be with yourself and with your feelings. And then I was also, as I said, suffering from panic attacks, et cetera. I graduated college and I got into a massive car crash. Like I'm talking about within a week. And so now my body was broken. I was still broken emotionally. I was physically really suffering and I had no choice but to stand still. What was being asked of me to heal was not a choice. It was mandated by my doctors. And so in that stillness, and I was still dealing with the demons inside, there was a lot of suffering. But I feel that I'm now able to speak to a lot of people because we all have our moments of suffering. And I'm able from personal experience to say that when you're faced with extreme darkness, you just have to keep going and you realize eventually that it's a tunnel to the light. So, my own healing journey started with it simply accepting where I was. It was this acceptance that this realization that almost felt outside of myself, like the observer self, that said to me, This is a bottom from which you are yet to rise. Acceptance is the number one step to any sort of healing. And it's really simple, isn't it? Just accept exactly where you are, no matter how crappy at the moment. But it's also, sometimes the simplest things can be the most complex to finally implement into your life.
0: Okay, so what I hear you saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, please correct me if I get this wrong, but it sounds like your terrible, horrible car crash, as horrible as that was, it did have a silver lining and that it forced you to be still. Talk to me more about that. How did embracing the stillness help you out of the dark place that you referenced
1: sure and just fyi in the book i also call uh, the pandemic society's car crash because as you said the silver lining aspect is always available in the darkest happenings of our life or things that are happening in our society there's always a silver lining because there's always lessons being forced to get still also coming from a very achievement-based society. I mean, the Soviet Union, the Soviet mentality is one of more. Whether it's more conquest, more achievement, it's always the push to be better. And now I'm not talking about in the spiritual way of being better, but better as in performing better, getting to the moon first, whatever. And I'm not saying that America is very different. I mean, the Cold War was just this competition, this ever competition for more and better. And so I came from that society. And then coming here as an immigrant, having to prove myself, there was always this push of proving something, of achieving something, wearing a lot of masks and like putting on this face of perfectionism, literally like makeup, the right clothes. And then figuratively through my straight A's, there was this push to be something that inside was not true because inside I was crumbling. And then with the car crash, I couldn't really do much of anything. I think it was necessary for me to realize that all of these problems that were being hidden at the time needed stillness in order to be healed. You needed to stop and pause and see what those problems themselves, what those dark feelings were wanting from me. And that could only be done in stillness.
0: I think... A lot of my listeners, perhaps most or all of my listeners, were not born in the Soviet Union, but we can all resonate with what you're saying right now, which is there's a push to make our external selves more beautiful, more successful, make our homes picture perfect. So we're always focusing on the external, what other people see, and very rarely do we get in touch with the core? And for you, the car accident was your come to Jesus moment, for lack of a better phrase. Like it forced you to get in touch with the core because the core is where things were out of whack perhaps. And so for listeners today who are nodding their heads as we're talking, and this is making a lot of sense to them, they've been putting all their focus on the external and know they want to do some internal work, What would you say is step one for them? I don't think it's go out and get in a car accident. So how do you force yourself to slow down and be still in a world that's just always pulling at our attention?
1: And I have to say that I agree with you completely. I live a very American life in a very sweet American suburb with an American husband and kids. And I see that what I experience maybe from a different paradigm is still very much a reality in America. And of course, I mean, we have advertisements that tell us why we're not enough and what we need to do to be enough. How do we get better? So I think these are messages that are really universal. And so bucking against them is not always the easiest. But I found that even though it's not easy to make that change, because change is never easy, once you make that change, it's much more easeful. So I say not easy, but easeful. Your life becomes easeful. We're not in a world where our lives necessarily should be easy or can be easy. But when you become more easeful internally, that's the magic sauce, I guess. And so the way to do that, it's much simpler than you would think. It's by creating those moments of quote unquote doing nothing. It's taking that time. And Not everyone needs to just become a master meditator. I'm still not a master meditator. I meditate when I can, but it's about including mindfulness in your everyday existence. I talk a lot to people about how all of life is spiritual. Raising kids is spiritual, and dealing with traffic is spiritual. It's all spiritual because everything is an invitation to slightly alter ourselves, to accept the moment, and to bring a little more ease into our struggles. And I find that the best way to do that is just to take pauses. So when you're frustrated, when things aren't going your way, stop, just stop. Simply stop, breathe, look out the window, take a walk, sit, do nothing, journal, get your feelings out, whatever it is that resonates for you. Try all of these. Try journaling, try walking it for 10 minutes or for a day in the woods. Try just breathing deeply. It's about developing an awareness of the internal state versus all of the noise that's external. I really believe that when you can shut out all of the external messaging and connect with yourself internally, your life will change. I also believe that awareness is a superpower. So it's this understanding of you're not a mule, (laughs) you're not a robot, and you start paying attention to what you really need within yourself.
0: I love that. As you were talking, I was thinking back to how this podcast started, it started as a way to document my journey towards minimalism. And what you're saying is a figurative version of what I quite literally went through when I was decluttering my stuff. What is decluttering? It's essentially shedding off all the things in our external environments that aren't serving us. And so what I love about our conversation today is now we're talking about doing the same thing, the shedding of what's not serving us, except we're doing that internally. So we're gonna continue this conversation. I'm gonna to talk to you more about how simple is always better, which is a big takeaway I had from your book. We're gonna talk more about that with Jesse Kanzer after a quick word from this week's sponsor. So many of us have chaotic Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back with Jesse Kanzer. Jesse is the author of the new book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing. Jesse, before the break, we were talking about Essentially shedding what doesn't serve us internally. Internal decluttering, if you will. And I must say that what we're talking about today, at least from where I'm sitting, is really darn hard. It's really hard to change the ways in which you've always reacted to things in the ways in which you've always done things. I know in my life, I'm working on it. I've been working on it for many years, but when things don't go my way, I freak. I'm not happy about it. And I don't know how to change that overnight. Well, none of us are. None of us are happy about it. Where do I start here? What do I do?
1: <laughs> First of all, I also have been doing this for years and I also am not... in in a place of being perfect with this stuff. What I would say that I am is much quicker to coming back to my status quo. We're human. So first of all, you forgive yourself for not being a Zen master because you're not and neither am I. And we live very busy, full lives. Keep us from being those Zen masters, at least in this lifetime, and that's okay. This is why I always talk about everything as an invitation to expand our inner capability. First, you start by just noticing, noticing what your natural reaction is. So, okay, you're not happy. Then what does that not happiness manifest as? Do you become more frustrated with your kids? Do you become more tense? Do you develop stress-related headaches, for example, or whatever? Is there a physical reaction? You just start by observing yourself. You don't even start by changing yourself. You start by observation because... We can't always control ourselves in the moment, but we can when we develop the observer part of ourselves. Eckhart told, that a lot of people know with the power of now, he talked a lot about the observer within us, right? There's like almost the person living our lives and then there's like the observer self, the higher self. When we start observing ourselves, it almost becomes laughable. And to me, enlightenment is about lightening up. Like I can be my frazzled self. And also part of me is laughing at my frazzled self. And that brings an immediate lightness to the moment. And so I snap back faster. And, and I watch myself freak out about things that are very important to me because all oh, my projects are so important to me. And then you turn on the news and you see a war. And it's this realization that comes faster by just observing myself and my human turmoil. And I don't blame myself. I don't say that's so stupid that I'm wasting so much energy in this. I understand that this is our human condition. We want things and inevitably they don't turn out exactly the way we want. I'm sure once in a while they do, but usually they don't. And such is the pain of the human condition. Sometimes these chasms are huge. Sometimes they're small. So when you start observing yourself, really cool things happen because you're able to jump back so fast sometimes, like Almost like a rubber band.
0: Okay, I need to be more like a rubber band for sure. But what I really enjoy about talking to you is that we're getting to discuss the ultimate purpose, right? The ultimate purpose is not in amassing a bunch of stuff and looking good in front of our neighbors, right? The ultimate purpose, at least in my humble opinion, is to get in touch with who we are at our core's our souls if we want to use that word and become our highest version of ourselves. I think that's what I hear you saying.
1: Sure, but I would also love to add into that, if you will, that it's also to enjoy ourselves. And what we realize by observing our crazy monkey mind, our very humanness, is that a lot of times our very nature keeps us from enjoying the moment. Okay, things haven't gone our way, we freak out, etc. But like when we are able to snap back faster, we could enjoy what is. I think that in my own life, a lot of my very type A personality, whether it was inborn or it was societally established, like I said, in my early life, whatever the whatever the case, it really kept me from enjoying what I was even achieving. It's, if you notice this rat race, this hamster wheel that a lot of us find ourselves in, if not most, when you get there, wherever there is, There's always the next place to go. It's not like you're ever really there and that's it. I've made it. I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy myself. It's just not how we're made. So if we don't learn to have fun along the way, then what, get to the end of our lives and that's it? So I think that's an important thing too, is just to get more joy out of our everyday moments.
0: So I heard you already give a lot of first steps stop and pause, have quiet moments, embrace stillness throughout your days. Do you have any other exercises to cultivate that silence and simplicity that those of us listening who have never ever even considered any of the aspects that we're talking about today, do you have any like real first basic steps? Sure,
1: I find this super helpful. Like when everything seems discombobulated in my life, things aren't falling into place, go clean a drawer. And I know that this would just, like, seriously, clean your, like, organize your sock drawer, clean that kitchen drawer. We all have that kitchen drawer that is just a giant mess and things just go into, like, organize that. Take yourself out of whatever you're trying to force into place, to hammer into place, you know, to wrestle to the ground and get it the way you want it. You take a break and you do something actually tangible, actually physical. You organize something and see how that feels. Another thing that I will share that really helps me, and I know that is in line with the minimalism that you live, I say bucking our consumerist culture of endlessly wanting and shopping can get us closer to original purity. Whenever you can, simplify. Simplify your thoughts, your plans, your possessions. Maybe you follow Marie Kondo's advice and get rid of any item that doesn't bring you joy like the vase you keep around but don't like, the socks with holes in them. But the next time you also feel the urge to make a purchase, pause. Just pause for a moment and consider why you're buying the item. And then apply the same thought process to your plans and aspirations. Before jumping in wholly, ask yourself, will attending this bring me joy? Or why do I want to achieve this? Watch both your outer and inner life untangle peace lies beneath the clutter. So I know that you and your listeners already know the decluttering aspect of this and the pausing before you buy something. But I love the way you can apply the same kind of thinking to life plans and aspirations. So I think probably enough of your audience understands the decluttering aspect. I think the next step is applying that same way of thinking to your very plans, to your calendar, and also to your goals.
0: Yes. Well you said something there that I had to type as you said it. You said peace lies beneath the clutter. And we can interpret clutter being physical stuff, but we can also interpret it as being emotional clutter, mental clutter, etc. And so before we say goodbye today, Jesse, I'd just love for you to Talk about peace lying beneath the clutter for you in your own personal life. How have you learned that to be true?
1: So besides the physical organization of my life, which sometimes exists and sometimes doesn't, I do try to keep things simple there as well. I would say my biggest complication to that are my children. (laughs) But then applying that same way of thinking, instead of stressing out about how much stuff they have, I keep to the understanding that this is also temporary. That in another couple years, they're not going to want most of these toys. So I apply that same way of thinking to the cluttered mind with which I live. And it is, my mind naturally is thinks very fast, (laughs) but there's definitely an acceptance that helps me with the decluttering of everything. The acceptance of like, okay. My space right now in certain rooms is not as ideal as I'd like it to be, but I know this is temporary. And I definitely do that with my plans. I need unscheduled time. I think we all do, but I know I do. And I refuse to pack my calendars. I have a limit on how many activities my kids can have. If you know, if we have a packed Saturday, we're not going to have a packed Sunday if we can help it. And if we can't help it and this weekend's crazy, then next weekend will be a break. I'm very mindful of my time almost being like my closet.
0: Jesse, I really enjoyed gleaning your wisdom today. Tell my listeners where they can find your book. Don't just sit there, do nothing. Love the title, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Of course, a little tongue in cheek, but all of life is paradoxical. So uh, don't just sit there, do nothing is available everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookshop, indie bookstores, and all of my information lives on jessicanzer.com, J E S S I E K A N Z E R dot com, along with various order links. It's also available on Audible, which I narrated, so I love that version as well.
0: Jesse, thank you so much for giving me and my listeners some of your time. I wish you peace and simplicity and stillness moving forward. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listeners, that's a wrap. I have linked to Jesse's new book, Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing, in this week's show notes. We do have an eco tip today, and it comes from Marissa. Marissa wrote to me with her zero waste hair removal strategy, which is, of course, body sugaring. She said it's as simple as boiling together fourth of a cup water, fourth of a cup lemon juice, and some sugar, and when you boil it all together, it makes a sticky paste that you can use to remove unwanted body hair. So no no strips, no pain. You can do it at your home for almost free Marissa says that for her, this has been a super easy, super DIY, super frugal zero waste hack. So thank you so much, Marissa, for writing to me with that eco tip. Listeners, I'll see you again on Thursday. Looking forward to it, and I'll see you then.
1: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy